brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Barbara. Yes. All right. So you like listening to podcasts, right? I do. You like making money? I, yeah, I can't say that I don't. You like doing it at the same time? Possible. If, if, if possible. Yeah, that would be. Well, you're in luck. The fuck you say? Well, there's a new app called Podcoin. I think I've heard of it. Have you? Yes. What you can do is they carry all major podcasts from all major podcast providers. And what you can do is you can listen to podcasts. And as you listen to a podcast, you accumulate things called PodCoin. And you can use those PodCoins to do, well, whatever the hell you want. You can either donate them to charity, which is turning a frown upside down. Or you can cash them in for sweet rewards like Amazon gift cards and like like uh, Starbucks gift cards. Because we're both coffee drinkers. Yep. Things like that. And... Um, and uh, yeah, you just use the PodCoin for whatever you want. And uh, now, if you use our code Cipher, you can sign up and get a 300 PodCoin bonus. So download PodCoin from your app store today. Use our code Cipher to get a 300 PodCoin bonus. Say bye, Bri. Bye bye. Gold Star Media. folks welcome to the first official episode of cypher cracking the case of the zodiac killer i'm bill i'm brian we're back hey we are back uh first off uh, a couple things to take care of one so we want to thank everybody who listened so far to the pilot episode showed up in spades to listen uh i guess true crime is the thing to listen to these days um so we thank you um we hope we can ex- exceed your expectations at this point yes um secondly uh, I want to give a shout out to Tom Voigt, ZodiacKiller.com, who uh, I was in contact with and gave us free reign to use stuff from his website. So uh, thank you, Tom. And uh, we hope to talk to you in the future sometime if you are able to. Um, thirdly, uh, this episode is brought to you in part by PodCoin. It's the only app that pays you to listen to podcasts. Uh, download it from your app store. Use our offer code Cypher to get a uh, special sugary sweet um, sounds... sugary sweet sign up bonus um, and four so this is the second go round for this first episode <laughs> so we we had recorded on this past Monday yeah. this past Monday 42 minutes 40 uh, close to 45 minutes and uh, we lost all of the audio so uh, if we sound a little crisper and cleaner it's because now we now we've done the practice so um, it was a good dry run 
it was it was a nice dry run. Although I was infuriated because I, you know, I, I pride myself on not letting that happen ever. It's only happened once or twice that I can remember on any of my other podcasts. Um, it's happened on Inside You with Bill and the Raptor once or twice. I don't think it's happened on any other one. So that it set off, it triggered me so hard that my face was completely red the entire rest of the day, and then. Uh, <laughs> And then I got home and I told my wife and she's like, you're kidding. That sucks. I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's nothing we can do better now. But like, I, it's... Com- she showed compassion. That's nice. Yeah. No, it was... It, she didn't laugh at you. No, she's very supportive of the whole podcast thing. It's, re- it's very, actually really cool. Um, so, um, we are going to re- start going over the Zodiac Killer. Now, if you don't know who the Zodiac Killer is, if you didn't listen to our pilot episode... Listen to it. Listen to it for one. Two... Um, Zodiac Killer, if you don't know who he is by now, it's a one of the in, most infamous uh, unsolved cases in American history. One could argue in world history. But since we, I have never been to another country except for Canada before you needed a passport. I was there too. Um, and it was to ago. see an Expos game, which I don't know why I did that. I was at the stadium. Uh, at the what stadium? The Expo stadium. Oh, really? Yep. They weren't playing. So, Zodiac, the Zodiac Killer case... Basically, five, five, uh, four confirmed attacks. Um, oh, oh. 1968 and no, 1969? Started uh, 1968 19, uh, to the early 70s. Um, don't know who did it, uh, but his need for attention borderlined on um, addiction. So he sent letters and ciphers, which are cryptograms or encoded messages, uh, to newspapers, newspaper outlets, media outlets, to taunt them. Police, police, uh, to taunt them and to give a heads up of when he's going to do it again, and then, just like that, dropped off the face of the earth. So, that in itself is intriguing, and uh, so we're going to cover uh, this episode. We're going to cover the unsolved case of December twentieth, nineteen sixty-eight, the murder of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. Now, David and Betty. Let's give a background about David and Betty. David and Betty, David, 17, honor student, Eagle Scout. Wrestler. Wrestler. Was he a wrestler? Yes. Oh, I respect him even more now. Uh, as apple pie Americana razor straight as you can get as a high school senior. I had a thing for this young young lady uh, named Betty Lou Jensen, 16, art student, very bright, very good art student, so I so I read. And uh, different so, schools. Different schools. David went to Vallejo, uh, Hogan or Vallejo. David went to Hogan. David went to Hogan High, and uh, Betty Lou Jensen went to Vallejo High School. He was a senior. She was a uh, no, Hogan. Hogan. Yeah, because the Christmas concert was at Hogan. Okay, that was her school. So they uh, they took a shine to each other. Don't know how they yes. met. Uh, no, they know? met. Yeah, they were at that castle place that he dropped his sister off. That Pytherian Castle or whatever it was. I don't know what it okay. is. All right, but it must be someplace where the young, the young people of the time gathered. Right. Okay. Um, was a dance or whatever. There was something was going. Well, on. Well, late sixties. Uh, soda shop. Possibly. Uh, burger place, driving burger place, which I, I still love, that. by the way. Shout out to Sonic. That don't sponsor us, but I mean, they could. They, they could absolutely. Um, so if they're listening, Sonic. <laughs> they took a shine to each other. <clears throat> However, Bailey's parents. We're not too keen on her dating. Um, there's an interview done on the December twentieth, uh, two thousand three, with one of one of uh, Betty Lou Jensen's best friends, Sharon from high school, who said who stated that uh, Betty Lou was not allowed, to, not forbidden, but frowned upon. Uh, her sister had um, gotten married, gotten pregnant, uh, pregnant, married, and then divorced rather young. Yeah. So. Um, kind of left a black mark on her parents' willingness to let her date. Uh, so they were not forbidden to see each other, but it, it was frowned upon, like I said. So, uh, But they did manage to get together pretty much every day. Oh, absolutely. They used Sharon, uh, Betty Lou used Sharon as an excuse to see David, as you do, as a teenage girl, yes. or a teenage boy. I, I did that when I was younger. Used somewhat as an excuse to go see a girl. So, um, so, so they decided to go on their first official date. Um, a Christmas concert, or a Christmas dance? Was it a Christmas concert or a Christmas dance? Concert, concert. Yeah. Uh, Vallejo or Hogan? Hogan at Hogan High. 
So they were going to go to a Christmas concert. Uh, the concert started at what time? Do you have that? Was, I believe it was from 8 to 10. But they did not go at 8. They were Because they were at Sharon's house until 9. Right. So they leave Sharon's house at 9. No, but not before Betty Lou actually takes David over to her parents. Yep. And they actually sign off on him. Yeah, he did get to meet her parents. Uh, if I was Betty Lou's, if I was Betty Lou's father, and you bring this boy <laughs> home, marry this boy. Yeah, you're gonna be happy about that. You're gonna be very happy. He's gonna have you home on time every night. He's not gonna try to get in your in your garter anytime soon. So yes, marry him this instant. Uh, so they they go to Sharon's until nine. Yep. So then they go to the dance concert, 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 concert. Um, so the concert was over at 10 p.m., correct? Yes. Now, there are varying reports that either they were not there or they were there. However, there are more witness accounts that they were there holding hands and enjoying the, da- the concert than there were of them not being there. Yes. I think that is just speculation at this point. Also, the time that they left is up in the air, too, whether they stayed until 10 or left a little bit early. Okay. So, David and Betty, they decide to go park. Well, there's also a dispute as to whether they had burgers at Mr. Ed's after the concert. That's right. Mr. Ed's, it was... It was a drive-in. It was a drive-in. That's actually... They recreated that in David Fincher's Zodiac, right? It's Mr. Ed's. That, um, was that the place that... That was the place where, where Mike Majot and Darlene Farron pulled in. And, and then she's like, let's go. Okay. So yep. they sort of like combine the two there. Um, Although it might, they might have actually... Cause it was the same but if area. they did stop at Mr. Ed's, it it kind of fills in a little plot hole of where they were. Yeah. So let's say they went to Mr. Ed's, got a bite to eat. Then they just want to go be alone. Hold hands. Be intimate with each other. Just talk. Um, so they go to Lake Herman Road in Vallejo. Now, Lake Herman Road is a little tiny sleepy little um, two lane road not lit not lit at all not lit at all it it runs from Vallejo to Benicia, California it's about uh, how many miles long? I'm thinking four-ish about four or five really that's what I read yeah it's just sort of a cut off between two bigger roads right so along Lake Herman Road by the way, David, David and Betty knew very well of Lake Herman Road because the driver's ed classes at both high schools That's correct. ran on Lake Herman Road due to the lack of traffic, yeah. which just that just makes sense. So there's a few turnoffs on Lake Herman Road, um, but uh, this one in particular, had, uh, there, it comes around a corner to the left, if you're coming from Vallejo to Venetia, yes. to the left you go around a, a little left bend. And right there at the corner of the bend is a... In the middle of the bend is a turn-off to a pumping station. A filling yeah, station. A gated, yeah, a gated. But there's room... Yeah, there's the room turn-off is, Yeah, before you get to the gate. And so I've read police reports. Uh, the uh, That particular turn-off was a hot spot for teenagers turning off and doing whatever they do on Lover's Lane. Well, supposedly, they, they were supposed to have been a bunch of kids going there that night. That was what they had said earlier. I don't know whether they used that as an excuse. For a gathering or, or uh, the the upcoming uh, discussion on a narcotics bust? That's unclear. That's unclear. Yeah. Okay. But well, obviously there was no one else there like of their friends when they were there. Okay. So 11 p.m. they get to this turnout at Lake Herman Road. And they are doing what teenagers do. I assume they're being intimate with each other. I have parked more times than I care to admit. However, that's what you do when you park. Or they just could be talking, enjoying each other's company. Yeah. Which actually sounds very nice and given the age of these two kids, uh, I can I can probably postulate that either one, they were they really wanted to be intimate with each other. And I say intimate to be politically correct, you guys can use your imaginations. Uh, or they just did want to talk because kids are inquisitive. Listen to the radio. Listen to the radio, find out more about each other since this is their first sanctioned date. So yeah, just have time together without anyone else around. Right. So and they're there by themselves, so they think. Uh eleven fifteen PM. Another car pulls into the turnoff. To the right southeast of yep. David Faraday's Rambler. Is, is Rambler is it a Volkswagen? 
I'm not sure what company or was the company actually Rambler or were they a, was it a Dodge Rambler I'm not sure okay so through a series of events so the stranger gets out of the car we will get into detailed facts in a bit stranger gets out of the car and presumably orders them to exit the vehicle so they both exit through the passenger side Drive. Yeah, passenger, passenger side. Um, they both get out, and as as they're both out, David is shot once in the back of the head. Um, not back, but upper left quadrant, I would believe, right behind the left ear. Yes. Uh, upper ear. At point blank range. Point blank range. Uh, he falls to the ground and is bleeding out, but he's still alive. Uh, as David falls to the ground, Betty Lou, presumably... Presumably, excuse me. Yes. Starts to run. the The attacker gets one shot off so close that there are powder burns on her dress uh, when they process the evidence uh, after their deaths. And then she got twenty eight feet. Was it thirty three or twenty eight? Twenty eight. Twenty eight feet. All while this killer shot her in the back four, four more, more times. times. Um, from the middle, the small of the back in the uh, right side up to the shoulder. In a tight group. Yeah, it was all on the right side. In a tight grouping. And uh, Betty Lou fell to the ground and bled out instantly. And then presumably the the uh, the attacker got in his car and pulled away. Drove yeah, away. It was not a very long time that he was there at no. all because vehicles driving past, there was like, a, I believe, about a six or seven minute window. Right. It was um, to happen. So. Between the time of the time of the attack that the killer left to the time the first policeman got there was how long? Because if the attack happened, if they postulate it happens at eleven fifteen, rough yeah. The first cop on the scene, I think it was eleven thirty five. Eleven thirty five. Now, if you want to run down some of the facts of the police activity, you are free to do so. Police activity, okay. Well, there was a lot of police activity in the area, actually. There was a drug bust and seizure of marijuana at Lake Herman Cottage, which was only, I think it was like four-tenths of a mile. It wasn't far. No, toward Vallejo, I believe. It wasn't far. That uh, it, it's They, they affectionately call it the, the cottage on Lake Herman Road, which is uh, owned by the city of Benicia. Um and I believe it's a hot spot. It's just an abandoned house, maybe. Yeah, I don't. They don't really describe what it was. Like, um, but it, like a hot spot for drug activity and drug use and things like that. And um, so I want to get his rank right because I don't really know. Um, which one? Uh, Pierre. Hold on. You just a detective, Benicia Police Department detective. Police department, uh, Benicia Police Department detective, Pierre Bidou, yep. uh received a call. That the um, for a search and seizure on marijuana at the cottage Lake Herman Road with his partner. I don't know his partner's his name. Par- I've never found his partner's name. In this um, so they go. They pick out how, how much marijuana did they get? Pound and a half. Pound and a half marijuana. Which he says in the documentary. This is the Zodiac speaking uh, from 2007. That back then, it's that's a, a gargantuan amount of marijuana. Today, it, it probably it, it, you wouldn't I mean. Yeah, like who? Like who I mean, it's still it? a lot, but it's, it's not. That's, I mean, that's a pound of grass. Yeah, it's it's a lot, but I mean, back then it was just I mean, like, the, <gasps> yeah. that's so much. Um, so they they serve a search and seizure warrant to the cottage Lake Herman Road. They seize the marijuana and they are on their way back to the police station when this happens. And they did drive right past the turnout on the way to the Benicia Police Station, and to the best of their or to the best of his memory, does not recall seeing any vehicles there at the time. So this may have been before David got there. Right. Or, you would think that a cop, if the, if a car was there, he would have remembered it, being that... Right, and and, and uh, Detective Bidu has, has gone on record as saying that he did not see anybody there. Yeah. Uh, not the car, nor any any occupants. Which is strange. Which is very strange. Um, so... Um, Detective Bidou and his partner get back to headquarters, and then they get a they get a call. There may have been a shooting on Lake Herman Road, so they spin around and they go back. Now they do say they did take a little bit of a shortcut. Can you 
Do you you know more about that than I, I do? I don't know wh- what shortcut they're talking about. I think I think the shortcut had some had to do with something else because they were they were mainly trying. He was mainly trying to point out that he didn't see another vehicle on the road. So I don't know if he just means that he didn't see one coming toward him. That it, a you know a vehicle could have been behind him as he was as they were going toward Benicia with the after the drug bust. Okay. Right. But, but he, there was not a car coming from Vallejo toward, or from I'm sorry, from Benicia toward Vallejo when they were going toward. Right. Um, station. Now, seeing as now there are cops on the way there, who reported it? The reporter was Miss Stella Borges, who had a ranch, I believe, about a mile and a half toward Benicia. Okay. So she was going toward. Yes. No, she was going. No, it was toward Vallejo because she was going toward Benicia. She saw the bodies and she continued at a high rate of speed yeah. toward Benicia and actually saw a police officer driving and flagged him down like by flashing her lights and told him. And so, I mean, that's why police were there so quickly. Right. It was only a matter of a couple of miles. And uh, the first responding officer, his name was, we just talked about it before we went we on the did air. and... Excuse us for dead air, folks. We're just trying to get the well, we're just facts correct. Captain Dan Pitta, Benicia Police Department. Now, I, I believe he may have been the one to contact um, dispatch and get Bidu and his partner out there. Well, he actually, I, I think his first call was to the county because it was... It was Solano their, County. Yeah, it was their jurisdiction. Okay. That would have been Butterbach and... and Butterbach uh, and Waterman? Waterman, yeah. Waterman. Now, uh, Waterman, I don't believe, was Butterbach's original partner. Because remember in that documentary, he said that his partner had called out sick. Yes. And and uh, they had a new a new guy who asked if he could ride with him on his route because they all worked the jail. Yes. And uh, he said, yeah, sure, happy to have him. And uh, Butterbach... That's exactly what he said. Yeah, that's exactly what I am quoting. Um, so... Um, but uh, and that's all in, in the police report. If you read the police report, which uh, we can offer links to, uh, if anybody wants to read them, <laughs> um, Butterbuck and Waterman's um, police reports and the following follow-up reports are very thorough. Yes, they are as thorough as I've ever read. And I'm not a, I'm not a professional on police reports at all, or crime or crime or uh, law enforcement or anything like that. But uh, they're very thorough and. Um, a little bit of, you know, there's smudges and stuff. That on is it. on the Zodiac Killer website. ZodiacKiller.com, right? you can find um, the original police reports from the scene. And then um, since uh, Detective Bidu and his partner were there and um, uh, the responding officer Pitta was there. They don't make mention of him being there after the initial result, but I'm assuming that he, that he was still there. Well, I think, was it, was it him that, that uh, escorted Faraday to the hospital? Because they took him away before she did, before was she Butter, left. It was Butterbach. Was it Butterbach yeah, that went? because um, by that time, Lumblad, Lumblad? Lumblad was there, and he's the one that... He's he, the chief? Yes, he's... Uh, he, chief of Solano County Sheriff's Office. Yep. Okay. He's the one that... Because that was their jurisdiction. <coughs> Butterbach to go with the ambulance. Um, so... We'll follow the ambulance, I think he actually did. Um, they, you know, they processed the crime scene, as, as Butterbach said... They worked it until four in the morning. Yep. Um, very cold December night. Um, 20, Twenty-two degrees. Twenty-two degrees, which for California, I hear, is very chilly. Um, and uh, so they got to the scene, and Betty Lou was past expired. She was she was gone. Um, but David Faraday was still alive. Now, I assuming, and, and I'm taking this from what Detective Bidu said, that um, his respiratory system just hadn't shut down yet. Right. So, but you could see his breath; he was still breathing. So, I think that's why they got him off in such a rush, yeah, as you said to me case. on Monday, um, to try and see if they could save him. Yeah, there was no sense mm-hmm. moving her body because she, no, she, yeah, she was expired. Um, and we will post pictures on Instagram. I, 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 I had a, cr- a crisis of conscience uh, yesterday. I'm not going to p- post any pictures of um, bullet wounds or dead bodies, but I will post. Um, uh, the crime scene after they had been removed mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, Just to get an idea what it looks like there. Right. Now, along with the crime scene being processed, they did. They were very, that this was uh, this was a crime that was very well a crime scene that was very well combed through um, by all responding officers, uh, including the Solano County Police Chief Les Lumblad. Um, and he did interviews. You can find those inter- interviews on YouTube, or I'll even post on Instagram if I can figure that out. Yeah. Um, it, you know, as Detective Bidu said, 
in the 2007 documentary, this is Zodiac speaking, and I agree with him. Had had the attacker done what he did today, in this day and age, he would have been caught within 24 hours. Yes, I, I very, very, very strongly believe that. However, in 1968, they had no they had no way of getting hair follicles. DNA was not a thing. No, they didn't. Um, the most you could do was send out responding units to the surrounding areas to see what happened because this is this is even though there is a, a pumping station in the distance through the gate this is a very isolated yeah, little part of the road kind of the middle of nowhere pitch black Brian yes did you ever before we started this podcast did you ever think about starting your own podcast I actually did yes you did uh, did you hear about Anchor before I introduced you to it I had no idea what Anchor was alright well Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. Fuck yeah. Uh, and you can use it right from your phone or your computer. Creation tools. The creation tools are cool. We've used those. Yes, they allow they can, you to edit your podcast. Yes, background music, uh, interstitials, sound effects, like door slamming or goats going... Which is goats. weird, but we don't we don't use the goats. No, we could. Um, and if you have a question about how they'll how you get your podcast onto iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and things like that, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. And the best thing about it is you can also make money from your podcast. With no minimum listenership. You don't have to have a set amount of listeners to do your thing and to get paid. Make some extra cheddar cheese from this podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started this instant. Bill thanks you. Brian, Brian thanks, thanks you. you, and Anchor thanks you. Bye. Now, you'd think that being that Lake Herman Road was very sleepy, very dark, there would be no traffic, but <laughs> the amount of traffic on this road at that point in time, that particular date, and now seeing that two, two kids were murdered, the amount of traffic... That we have come up, that we have come up, come upon in reading the police reports, is worrisome. Yeah, at best, strange, tenuous at because, best. Because I mean, the reason kids went there to park was obviously because of the lack of traffic. Yeah, I mean, that's correct. You know, you're not going to go somewhere where a car is going to go by every 10, 15 minutes. Exactly. You don't want to be disturbed. Yeah. And uh, so, what I what I, what I what I what I'm looking for from you is uh, a little a little. Uh, a little more information about some of the traffic that was on that road that night, not up to and including the the search and seizure at Lake Herman at the cottage at Lake Herman Road. Right. There was actually an incident at around nine o'clock at the that very spot where they were killed. Uh, William Crow and his girlfriend were parked there. He was supposedly adjusting the engine of her car. He was trying out her sports car, right? Which they. No one seems to know what kind of car it was or any or much about. Is this the white Impala? No, this is. Oh no, he had a Corvette, didn't he? I, they don't know what it was. Her car, and no one seems to know what she had. No one knows her name or anything. Okay, it's a very strange situation. But as he was, <laughs> was there a police report or witness statement filed for that? I'm pretty sure they talked to him, and I think they might have even confiscated any guns that he. And they confiscated a lot of people's guns. Yeah. Um, we should state that the murder weapon, which I didn't state earlier, that's right. Uh, the murder weapon was a um, uh, a twenty-two, a pistol, um, because it'd be very hard to get to do what you did with an actual rifle. Right. Initially, uh, they thought it was a rifle. There but there was a. There was a uh, do you have what kind of ammo that they used? Do you have was, that written uh, down? Super Tw- X. Wait, uh, twenty-two long rifle. rifle Super 22 X. Twenty-two long range. Yeah, long rifle. Uh, made by uh, Western. Western. Yeah. Western twenty-two long rifle. Was a semi-automatic. Super X. I believe. Which I believe... I think I read somewhere where it was actually illegal at that time. Semi-automatics? Yeah, that gun, yeah. Semi-automatics... Oh, my goodness. I was just watching something on the History Channel the other day about um, the history of weaponry, because I thought it might be detrimental... Or not detrimental. That's not the word I'm looking for. It might help us out. Um, Semi-automatic rounds were not legal. Uh, Semi-automatic weapons were not legal, except if you were um, military. Ah, okay. Because, you know, they give you sidearms and weapons when you join the army or the the armed forces um so but uh 22 now i've shot a 22 i shot a 22 long rifle out of an actual 22 rifle okay um they are powerful little rounds i think they're going about um 
1300, 1400 feet per second, which is a lot of velocity. Um, just, and just small in size. That's they're they're very small. They're very small. I think there's. I think that the reason that that they're small is that they can, so they can gain so much ground when they're fired. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, twenty twos. If you fire them from a distance of a couple hundred yards, it's not going to be. I mean, if you get hit in the head, of course, that's probably going to be lethal. If you get hit in the back or or any other non-vital part of your body, mm-hmm. it's not going to kill you. It's going to fuck up your day a little bit. It's going to be an annoyance, but it's not going to kill you. This is very close range. Yes. Very close. Point blank and then varying degrees of length between the car and where she fell. It's still, like, still 20, close, though. Still very close. Yeah. I mean, 20 very, feet is obviously very... Uh, very far Very far. close enough to be lethal. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, all in all, and I, I'm backtracking now because I didn't give enough info, um, there are 10 shots fired. Presumably. Presumably, yeah. Well, they found 10 casings. <laughs> they found 10, 10 shell casings. I mean, the police report is going to state that they found nine. Right. But I believe they weren't counting the one that they found in the vehicle. They found nine on the ground. I think that's. I think it was just a matter of Now we're talking the one that they found in the passenger seat. In the On the floor of the passenger seat. Which we could only, from everything that I have read, and trust me, folks, I have read some stuff. And so have you. A word or two, yeah. A word or two. These these police reports are long and in depth, like we said. Um, the way that they describe how the crime may have occurred, um, if he crossed in front of David Drambler as they were getting out, and then once David Faraday was out of the car and he pulled the trigger, that round, the casing from that round would have ricocheted into the open door and, and onto the floor. Yes. That, is that, that makes perfect sense. It makes... the door was open the whole... that you know, It was open when the police got there, so it was it open makes, It made time. so much sense that I actually... I actually almost wanted to discredit it because that it, that's very finite and very um, very specific. But it that's the only... That's the only place that that round could have come from. Um... I mean, proximity to him, it, to the car, the victim of the car. I believe that's the only place it could have come from. Uh, there were two shots that never hit the bot, hit them at all. There were two shots in the Rambler that did not hit them. One was in the. Oh, help me here. There was one in the the rear passenger's window, not the rear seat window, but like the rear station wagon type window. All right, the, the trunk. Well, no, not not the not. In the back, no, 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 but like the side trunk. Well, yeah, window. yeah, the, like, the right, the passenger side of the trunk. <laughs> I mean, area. I haven't seen a station wagon on the road in like six years. No, but you know, if you know a station wagon, the, the trunk has windows, not just the rear window, but left and passenger side and driver side. Um, but it was the passenger side trunk window. Yeah, and then there was one where else? Above the passenger side rear door. The passenger side rear door. So proximity to each other. Yeah, very close. From the same from the same on the same side. Yeah, very close to each other actually. So, judging from that, you could almost assume that as the attacker pulled up, either he got out of his car or parked his car and shot two into the car to get them to get their attention. Well, there was there was one casing found twenty feet to the right of the Rambler and one found fourteen feet, and the assumption is that those were the two shots that went into the vehicle. Okay, so I'm just going to draw a conclusion here that he was pulling in and shot them while he was pulling in. Because if they're, they're a distance away from the possible. car, then, you know, because... Or he could have backed in, gotten out of his car and shot, because then he would have been... Because a witness claims that he was ten, that his car was 10 feet away. Now, yeah, there was a witness who saw both cars, right? Yes, yes. Uh, go into a little bit, because I'm, I'm not too familiar with that part. That was James Owen. James Owen, that guy. He claims he saw two vehicles around 11.15, which, which, which corresponds with... With the only thing it doesn't correspond with is the fact that Pierre Bedeau didn't see any vehicles there around the same right. time. But he did see two vehicles there. He claims they were both empty. Which... Well, did he get out of the car? Nope. No. He was... You can't make that claim if you didn't get out of the car. No, there's really no way to... No. Now... He, yeah. If, okay. if there were two cars there, and there was obviously an attacker and two victims, you would see some activity. Yes. Or some bodies. So, I mean, it could have been literally at the time that he had just pulled in. Right. <clears throat> Where was I going before that? Witness, you know what? Let's stick with witnesses. Potential witnesses. 
So there was James Owen. And James Owen. Who, like, like Brian just said, uh, claimed to have seen two cars, but nobody around. Which, if you go, if you were to believe his story, which would, in my assumption, that would have the, it would have the killer taking them across the hill of the pumping, the entrance of the pumping station, and execute them there, and then drag their bodies back to the car and place them, which makes absolutely no sense. At all. At all. Judging from the, the grouping of the shell casings from when he was shooting at Betty Lou, they're all in a, they're all on the ground in a tight bunch. So, did he just pick them up and then sprinkle bullet cases everywhere? I think James Owen is he lying. He didn't have enough time to do that first no, of all. I think James Owen is lying. Now, he very well may have seen two cars, but it wasn't Betty Lou and it wasn't Zodiac. Not at all. Um... I'm not going to discredit his statement whatsoever because he, he very well could have seen something, but I don't think it was I don't think it was the uh, the, the victims or the responsible at all. Um, other witnesses, potential witnesses. Other witnesses. Uh, Bingo Wesher was not a witness to that vehicle, but he did see a white Impala at that location around ten o'clock. The raccoon hunters who were parked about a eh. now they were parked through the pumping station. They were parked Correct. to the. If you're looking at the turnout, they were parked to the right, but very close, like okay. only a couple hundred yards to the right. They were. It was. They were on someone's farmland. I forget the name. Uh, Marshall. The Marshall. The Marshall, Marshall Ranch. Marshall Ranch. Yes. Yeah. Now these two raccoon hunters. They were there from about nine to eleven. Nine to eleven. So they were. They very well could have. Now, was their truck there? Because they were driving a red. Pickup truck, fifty nine pickup, yeah, fifty nine pickup, uh, red wood paneling on the sides. Yep. They were there. If they were there until eleven, then either David and Betty Lou just missed them leaving, or didn't I read that that truck was still there afterwards? The truck left around eleven. They claimed to have seen the Rambler parked there when they left. They also claim that they thought it was empty, which again is an assumption. You, yeah. you really can't tell. But they no, they went to one of the raccoon hunters. I forget their names. I'm sorry. They went to one of their houses and were and they were both at that house, which was only a few miles down the road, right. until like maybe like one in the morning, and then left. So they had no idea what had even transpired. Yeah. Um. So is that is that it for people who may have may or may not have seen anything? Uh the yours. The yours. yours. The well, your, now the yours, the yours read, actually saw the hunt the hunters as well. Okay, um, but then they claim to have seen other car, other. No, nope, they only saw the Rambler. They only saw the Rambler. Yep, around eleven. So presumably that was before the attack, at around eleven. So that that makes sense. Yes. So, oh excuse me, um, last one. That was it. The last one. Uh, woman and her sailor boyfriend. I don't know their names. Claimed to have seen the Rambler around ten fifteen. Ten fifteen at the turnout. Yes, that's interesting. That's early. That's forty five minutes before they would have gotten there. I mean, if they left the concert at ten, they would have been there by ten fifteen. They would have been there by ten fifteen. Or did they go there and then go back to Mister Ed's and then go back to the turnout? That's very possible. That's very possible, and that's a lot of. I mean, a car may have pulled up next to them and then they took off and then. Yeah, like oh shit, we got caught. Yeah, kind of thing. But you know, justifi- yeah, not, not justifiably scared, but just yeah, justifiably they were on a date, here. so they could get away with whatever the fuck they wanted to. I'm very, I'm very in defense of these two kids because they seem they to did re- nothing wrong. They did, yeah, like and like Let's talk about senseless murder. There's some other attacks that we'll cover that some of the some of the victims were not saints at all. But these two, these two were as as apple pie as you can get, and they got killed for nothing. So, kind of, and they're just there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just you know, it's um, now of course, David Faraday died on the on the way to the hospital. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over forty. They can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. 
A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Yes. His uh, autopsy report claims that his... Uh, cause of death one point blank gunshot wound to the head passed through his head at what angle i know you know i don't know the angle oh you don't know the angle no okay because i do have i do have a very very tiny theory about and we had discussed some of it earlier yes um i know the the slug was found i believe like toward the front right like nearest temple but i mean that that doesn't give any indication of direction right, it could have just yeah i mean it could have yeah. rattled around you know i mean it, and um, goes whatever direction it chooses once it enters. Right. And be- the coroner report on Betty Lou is she died almost instantly from bleeding oh, after she blood loss. Was hit in the heart, the liver. Yeah. Several of, through the lungs. Right. Now. Um. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Your theory of my theory of oh my theory of of David Faraday's head wound is I'm not a strong believer of this, but I do think it is a possibility that he either one he was. In a crouching position, when he was shot, mm-hmm. or he was on his knees. I, I yeah, I, 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 which I think might it's be very more likely. Possible that they were both told to you know get out of the car, get on your knees, face the car. Because I mean, if they were both on their knees, and then he was shot, and he was and he was falling in that split second where he was falling to the ground, she made a movement and he shot her while she was still on her knees, and then she sprung up and started to sprint. And I think now the bullet, the bullet wounds in her back were very tightly together, which he, which he, which the killer does explain. He explains himself, ladies and gentlemen, and but that is for a future episode. Um, he does explain himself on how he got such a tight grouping in those bullets. I mean, and they are a tight grouping, but they are as as far as they are together, or as close as they are together, they are still far far apart. Oh yeah. It, it, Ring just from the top to. Did the I send you that picture of her autopsy? I've seen, I've seen. Okay. Yeah, in fact, I've actually seen the picture where it shows the entry wounds yes. and the exit wounds, yes. where they were, what would be on the front in relation to which. There was a bullet. The, the theory is that the, the bullets actually came in sort of at an angle, like right. not directly from behind, but like from behind and to the right. Well, because if he if if the killer shot him at point blank range, where he shot him right above the left ear, then he's on a, he's already on an angle. So yeah. If she starts running straight, then he's he's going to be still shooting at an angle. Yeah. As he's as she's running, and the angle gets straighter, but not entirely straight. Right. As she gets further away. Um. There was a bullet that. There was a bullet found that confused me, although. It confused me when we recorded on Monday, but now that we're recording now and I've actually looked over it, it actually does make a little bit more sense. Um. There was a bullet found in her underpants. Um, she was wearing a, a short purple dress, long sleeves, uh, white collar, um, uh, uh, underwear and panty and, uh, 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 regular top pantyhose. Yes. Um, there was a bullet found in her underwear, but now that I've looked over them, cause I don't, I, I, for the life of me, I couldn't, I couldn't originally find why there was a bullet in her underwear, but now looking back on it. Where, where one of the bullet wounds is is very in very close proximity to where her pantyhose could have been and it could have very well just come out and then as she fell shuffled into her underwear yeah and just not penetrated the fabric exactly like the one at at the actual scene that they found in the in the path where she had been running they found one that had exited her front but not gone through her dress and just literally dropped to the ground Right. Okay. Because there were th- 
three exit wounds? Yes. Okay. Yes, three exit wounds. Um, because a twenty-two being such a small bullet, once it once it hits a target, um, it it's gonna want to keep going, but it will lose velocity very quickly once it hits something. So, yeah, I'm surprised they even got through a dress. I'm su- yeah, I'm surprised that it that even three of them went through. <laughs> now, as you can imagine, an attack like this is is going to rock a community. Solano, the entirety of Solano County, Vallejo, uh, Benicia. Because shit like this doesn't happen. According to Butterbach, they only had five or six murders in that year. And they were easy ones to solve. And they solved them all. Probably domestic or, you know. Yeah, because even Badu says, the, the statistics she'll show, even from 1968 until now, that most single murders, the uh, the uh, victim knows their assailant. Yeah, I mean, it sounds stupid to say, but you, if you're going to kill someone, you usually you're going to have a reason to do it. Oh, exactly. Not a logical reason, but in your head, you know, you're mad at them for something or whatever. Right. This was just a senseless. These people are here. I'm going to kill them. Yeah, exactly. And as as the the term back then that they were using, that the cops were using, they had some kind of crazed killer because one. I mean, if one person is is bad, two people is terrible. Yeah. And given the fact that they were in fact children, I mean, I feel weird saying that, but I am in my 30s. Anything yeah, they, anyone they, under tw- any anyone under the tw- age of 21 these days to me is a child. And you know my children are very thirties. Mike, easy. My kids are very young. My daughter's eight. My son is three. And I know that they're not in the age range of David or Betty Lou. But as a parent, I can't imagine losing a child. I mean, my kid's ten years older than they were, and he's still, in my eyes, like a kid. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Well, because your kids are always going to be your kids. Yeah. No matter what. But these were. Baby. <laughs> And, uh, junior in high school. She was a junior. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Vern Jensen, which were uh, Betty Lou's parents. I, I, I can't. I can't imagine. David Faraday had three younger brothers. Three younger... He did? Oh, not... I don't, I don't, were they all brothers? Uh, he had all they had all boys. Okay. All boys. Um, and I, I can't... I can just imagine not only their parents' reactions, but the school's reactions. The community. And, I mean, if it reached as far as San Francisco, because, I mean... The Hall of Justice is is where the San Francisco Police Department has their headquarters. It, it reached from from Vallejo and Solano and Benicia to San Francisco because they did have a report on it, which is also available at ZodiacKiller.com. Um, by the way, we will not be citing ZodiacKiller.com all the time. This is just where I we found this particular police report. <laughs> it, I, it, it's kind of like... I, I actually I don't know what to equate it to. No, I really don't. I can't, I can't imagine what the other kids in the schools were feeling at that time. Terrified, <laughs> terrified, Sad, sadness that their friends. Well, yeah, because David was a popular kid. Um. So he, this, yeah, and this was a place where a lot of the kids went. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, and like I said, they knew it well. The driver's ed class took that road. <laughs> lack of traffic. There was so much traffic on this on this particular night that it raises more questions than it answers as to why there was so mo- so much more traffic on this particular night. And it's five days before Christmas. It's These twenty two degrees. It's, it's cold. It's cold. These kids are on their first date. They're really into each other. I thought, from what I've read, they had a very adorable little relationship going on. He and here's another little uh, tidbit. So. David had told Sharon, Betty Lou's friend, okay. that he was going to give her his class oh, yes, ring, his class ring, and ask her to go study. Which, it, the word, the word, the phrase "going study" to me is so fucking adorable to me still. And so, when they found David Faraday's body, he had that ring in between his fingers, clutched, clutched in between his his fingers. I'm probably thinking he thought he was going to give it to the killer as a way of like, hey, please don't hurt us. I, you, you mentioned that to me the other day, and There's I no had never thought of that. But it, no robbery, no sexual assault. So, so the killer wouldn't have taken it anyway. No. But I think David was just trying to be like, "Hey, please, you want to take this? Like, I don't have anything else." Um, he was only found with about thirty cents in his pocket. Yeah, well, he, only, he he left the house with like a dollar and a quarter, which I think is adorable too. Like, who goes on a date with a dollar and a quarter? But back then, you could crackheads. <laughs> That's who goes on a date with a dollar and a quarter now, crackheads. <laughs> But back then you could do that. You'd go for burgers and still have change. Yeah. It's a very... This is very sad. And um, uh, 
we're gonna this is gonna end part one of this discussion about um, uh, the murder of uh, David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen um, if you want to hear part two come back next week and we will hit you with part two um, uh, we as we are as we are recording and as we are um, finding more stuff out we're constantly doing research we may have revisions on the next episode we yeah, have we're, more pop a couple theories I'd like to there, look up there are some things that I did leave out so um, we hope this educated you a little bit and uh, please uh, if you liked this episode uh, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts and Stitcher. the like Stitcher uh, Breaker um, uh, uh, Castbox uh, Radio Public it's a very very little known podcast app. and uh, please feel free if you have any questions about what we said say, so yeah, far we'd love feedback uh, oh absolutely um, you can hit us up on Instagram at Cypher Podcast send us a DM or a comment or uh, you can email us at Zodiac Killer Podcast at gmail.com uh, and uh, uh, I am slowly going to work on a Facebook page for us um, so we can have a roundabout way of getting to audience members of every every yeah. social media platform except for Twitter because Twitter doesn't work anymore um, but we do we do hope you uh, you like this first episode like I said get in contact with us um, the links to get in contact will also be in our show notes so you can find us there um, for this first episode of Cypher Cracking the Case of the Zodiac Killer I'm Bill I'm Brian and uh, we hope you enjoyed see you next time Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VGW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky? in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.